Welcome, welcome, one and all. Glad you're here. Let's first begin with a word of celebration. Isaac and Sierra's third child, Lincoln Dean, is here. What about that? Hey! We're so grateful, so grateful. He and Mama are doing well, and uh, to, to, it's amazing the familiar look, his little face. They all just kind of favor one another. I love that in families, how it does like that. It's just good. And I'm seeing dear loved ones here. I'm so thankful, so thankful to have the Wilkerson's here and other people. And I keep bragging on some of the people that are engaged in here. Oh, they have that wonderful, lovely glow. That's just great. So anyway, I hope your holiday was filled with great family and great food and great football. It's just a great holiday. It's my my favorite one of them all. Whatever wonderful experiences that we have on earth, I don't think any of them come close to comparing with the meaning of this next name of God. Now, not everyone agrees with that. Uh, one commentator observed, look at this comment, the self-sufficient do not pray, they merely talk to themselves. The self-satisfied will not pray. They have no knowledge of their need. The self-righteous cannot pray. They have no basis on which to approach God. So I'm letting you know right at the beginning here that this next name, this isn't everybody's favorite name of God. Back in the 70s, there was a song that was made popular by an artist named Mac Davis. And he facetiously sang this song that said, Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I just can't wait to look in the mirror. I get better looking every day. To know me is to love me. I must be a wonderful man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best I can. Now, we heard that song, and we, a lot of us grew up with that, and we got a little chuckle out of it. But it did point to a completely self occupied person. And the self-absorbed do not like this name of God. The person who feels like a blind beggar before God is excited about this name of God. The person who grieves over their sin and regrets their missteps is captivated by this name of God. The spiritually sick love this name. And the name, Yahweh Tzikinu, the Lord, our righteousness. Now, Tzikinu literally means stiff or straight. It's a standard of measurement, specifically our sinful nature being measured against the holy nature of God. Yeah. The word is sometimes used in describing honest business practices, but it is used in a spiritual sense also with the idea of doing right in various situations. Now, the context of this name comes from the book of Jeremiah, an ancient prophet. The date is all the way back about the 6th century B.C., and the times, especially for God's people, were dark and violent. 
In Jeremiah 23, there is this prophecy that bad shepherds would one day be replaced with a good shepherd and that unrighteous kings would one day be replaced by a righteous king. Israel's rebellion had led them into captivity. And so God is speaking through this prophet Jeremiah about a future deliverance. Pick up in verse 5 of chapter 23. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called Yahweh Sikinu, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Now, Jeremiah wrote those words 600 years before Jesus. And the prophet longed to see those words fulfilled. He was dropping clues that there is no way that Jeremiah could have actually begun, could have, could have begun to understood fully. He said things like the coming king would be a direct descendant of David, and you remember that would be the line through Mary, Jesus' mother. The coming king would act justly and rightly, and Jesus perfectly fulfilled all of God's law. Let me just drop that and let it soak for a second. I'll come back to it. And the coming king would be called the Lord our righteousness. The written word of God explains these prophecies and their fulfillment all the way over in Romans. Look at Romans chapter 3, beginning with 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His Righteousness. Now, every time we use that biblical word righteousness, we're just talking about right standing. If you are righteous, that means you have a right standing before the one who made you. Uh, it doesn't need to be a complicated thing. That's just, that, that's just it. Our position has been made holy before this holy God. Now, all that was written before Christ and all that was written after Christ points to him in this specific name, Yahweh Tzikidnu, the Lord our righteousness. I think there's a point to be made. He's not their righteousness. He's not my righteousness. He's not your righteousness. It is the righteousness that belongs to all who believe. So to everyone who will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in their heart that God actually raised Jesus from the dead, then Yahweh Sikidnu, the Lord our righteousness, 
will guarantee salvation. A name from yester century, John Wilbur Chapman, he was a well-known evangelist, lived at the end of the 19th century and the first part of the 20th century. But early in his life, he went to Lake Forest University and studying to be a student of ministry. During that time, he happened to hear D.L. Moody, the evangelist, speak. And he was so taken by this that he just started finding out where D.L. was going to speak. And he would go and listen to him. Well, he went to meeting after meeting after meeting. Finally, he caught up with the evangelist. And he said to D.L. Moody, listen, I am just not sure of my salvation. And Moody asked him to explain. He said, some days I feel great. And he said, other days I just feel like I'm in the pit of despair. I, I, I can't, I don't think I'm right. And so Moody, what he would do regularly is he just took people to the Word of God. And Moody pointed him to Jesus' words in John 5, 24. Jesus said, very truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned but has crossed over from death to life. And then Moody asked this young Wilbur Chapman, do you believe in the Son? And young Wilbur said, yes. And Moody said, will you then come to condemnation? And that's when Wilbur Chapman said, that's what I don't know for sure. And that's why I've come to you. And Moody had a way of being pretty straight and stern with people. And he spoke and he looked at this young Chapman and he said, See here, young man, whom are you doubting? And it was in that moment that it dawned on Wilbur Chapman that he was doubting nothing less than Jesus Christ and his word. Listen, if Yahweh tzedekin you, the Lord our righteousness, if he says it, his word is true, and that word will never be broken. Never. Now, that was a turning point in Wilbur Chapman's life. Have you had that turning point? If you were sharing your faith with somebody else, does there, does there come that moment where you where you say, okay, that's when I finally crossed over from death to life. I, I got it. I put my trust in what Jesus said and not in what I do. Now, you might be strong as an ox and fit as a fiddle, but if you haven't met Yahweh Titsiku, you're dead, you're dead as a doornail. Now, hear me out. This sin that we've all got that's called unrighteousness, we're in trouble without this name of God. And all of us have this cancer. And there's absolutely nothing that we or ourselves can do about the terminal consequences of sin and unrighteousness. Because we've fallen in sin, our only hope is to rise because of someone else. Our sinful nature condemns us, and another's sinless nature is our way out. It's the Bible talks about it being redemption. It's an actual repurchase, purchase back. He made us and then he, he buys us back. It's crazy. 
Adam, the first man, started us off in this sinful, unrighteous track. And without another's intervention, there's just no getting off of it. There's no pardon to be found. Look how God's Word explains it. This is a great sentence in 1 Corinthians 15, 47. The first man was out of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. Adam, with his sinful nature, is our earthly father. Jesus, with his sinless nature, has God as his father. The fact that Jesus came from Mary made him fully human. The fact that Jesus is God's son makes him fully divine. So when God's written word says that Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness, that means he led not only a perfect life, but he also died an atoning death. And look how this works. Jesus fulfilled righteous living as a human being, and he fulfilled righteous sacrifice as a divine being. It's really quite a statement when it says that he fulfilled all righteousness. It's not just that he died for our sin. That's great. But you guys, if he didn't live a perfect life, his sacrifice wouldn't have been enough. It would have been insufficient. Jesus has our life and he has our death covered. He's Yahweh to kidney you. The Lord Jesus is our righteousness. Now, one of the finest steamboats that floated on Lake Champlain in Vermont was named after the lake. The boat was actually called the Champlain. And cheers went up as she slid off of her moorings on the dry dock into the lake's waters. The machinery was great. The crew was well-trained. The passengers for her maiden voyage were enthusiastic. But suddenly it was discovered that there was something wrong with her engines. And the captain ordered that the anchor would be dropped because a strong wind was blowing and the ship was drifting rapidly toward the rocks here on its maiden voyage. The captain shouted again because the boat continued to drift. Let down with the anchor. Well, the anchor was down, but they continued drifting. At last, the fault in the engines was discovered. The steamer was started, and it moved to safety. It was only later that they discovered that their anchor had been lowered, and the chain was three feet too short to reach the bottom of the lake. They had a good anchor, but the chain was insufficient. Humanity's righteousness, our own efforts to stand right before God, don't reach the rock. We can try as we might, and you hear it every day on television when some movie star or some popular person dies. Well, I know they're up in heaven. They didn't live one whit with any kind of faith in God at all. You know what that means? All of the good efforts that they did, all of the hospital money, all of the great they're chains too short. You got to be able to anchor to the rock. 
Because humanity's righteousness is insufficient to keep us off of the God whose wrath is righteous. Thus the necessity for Yahweh to kidden you. The Lord, he is the prophesied king of our righteousness. I'm telling you what, you may not memorize a lot of scripture. You know John 3.16 likely. But 2 Corinthians 5.21, maybe that's number two. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. You guys, Jesus really is our only defense. He's our only righteousness. My, we need him. We need him. Father, in a moment, we're going to declare that truth as we sing. But I still think we suffer, especially as Americans, with thinking that our standing before you is somehow in some way still dependent upon us. Father, whatever it is that makes us self-sufficient, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would strike it down and that we would never recover from that and that we would only hang on to Yahweh, to Zekidnu, the Lord, our righteousness. Hear our hearts, Father, as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's stand together. Let's sing this together.